The City Life app enables you to listen to Sunday messages and even explore the Bible while listening. Stay up to date with church life through our Connect section and much more. Download the City Life app today. Welcome to the City Life podcast. Our desire is to make Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever been punched by a sibling? Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Now, now I empathize with you. Now, let me ask you, if you're here today, how many of you have ever been the puncher of the sibling? Wow. We have a punching church. Healthy. Okay. I, I am the first. I feel like I'm the one who is more so being on the punching end. Okay. But, but, but here's the thing. It's not that I don't enjoy, uh, a fight every once in a while. I, and I think it's healthy and here, here's to prove it. Um, one of the best days of my life, actually one of the best days of my life was the day my little brother Devin was born. My age was four and I can remember, and there's also a home video of this moment, holding my little brother Devin, newly born. And I remember thinking and feeling an excitement, not necessarily just for having a brother, but my question exposes my emotion when I asked dad, dad, dad said, yeah, how long do I have to wait before I can fight it? <laughs> and, 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 and at that moment, that really described our relationship Moving forward now now when it comes to fighting i'm more i'm more of a pusher and wrestler and and, and it's not necessarily fight out of uh, Malice it's it's fight to inflict pain, but not hurt. Does that make sense? So we're trying to inflict pain on each other as brothers, but not hurt I mean, I'm 25 years old Devin's 21 Ian's 18. We still do it to this day except to a more extreme extent, but yet Ian Is another story so yesterday Yesterday, I'm, I'm with Ian in a drive-thru, and he's in the driver's seat. I'm in the passenger seat, and I'm just staring out the window, minding my own business, all right? And there hasn't been no uh, punching initiation, anything being started. It's a very calm environment, and I'm, I'm staring out the window when all of a sudden, I get threatened, and Ian says, stop, or I'm going to punch you. My little brother, 18, he said, stop, or I'm going to punch you. I said, What? Stop what? He said, you know what you're doing. He said, you, you know what you're doing. I said, no, I don't. He says, he said, it's that face. I said, my face? He said, yeah, that face. I said, what, what do you mean, what kind of face? He says, you're, making a, you're just making a face to tease me. And you're, I'm like, what kind of face? He said, you're making a face like you have a pure heart. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what is a pure heart supposed to look like? He said, that face, oh, you're doing, I'm going to punch you. And I said, you know what? Scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And he punched me in the shoulder. I said, okay, okay, Ian. All right, fine, relax. A few seconds later, he goes, you're doing it again. I said, I don't, honestly, Ian, I don't understand what I am doing to provoke anger and wrath in you. I love you, brother. He said, you're doing it again. I said, can you describe to me the face? He says, here's what you're doing, Preston. You are tightening your face to make it look cool, and I hate it. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know what it means, but I get punched for it. Okay, the story continues. 
uh, about an hour or so later, we're back, um, I come back, and, and Ian and I are hanging out, and, and uh, we're, we're laughing. We're having a great time. And we begin to talk about a TV show that Ian loved growing up called The Bear in the Big Blue House. The Bear, anybody remember The Bear in the Big Blue House? And, and in particularly the moment at the end of the show where the bear goes to reminisce about the day and sing with the moon. And it's a good, the goodbye song. So, so uh, before I, I'm leaving Ian to go off to study or whatever I was about to do, I began to sing the goodbye song with Ian. And we began laughing. Joy exuberated all over our faces. And we were having such a great time. And I belted out the final note. And, and it was atrociously hilarious. And Ian laughs. And all of a sudden, with a face of laughter, he comes and he punches me in the shoulder. And I said, I said, you, why did you punch me? He says, because you made me laugh. I said, so when, I, when you hate my face, you punch me. When I make you laugh too hard, you punch me. No matter what I do, I'm going to end up getting punched. Now, it's funny when you're getting punched by your kid brother, but it's something different when you're getting blindsided and hit by anxiety. Now, that's funny, but anxiety isn't really something to laugh at. You know why? Oftentimes, anxiety is not something we can articulate. It's not something that people can empathize with us about. And that we feel more alone. Right. Anxiety is deadly. Anxiety can choke out your own personality. Now, here's what I believe anxiety does, and what I've, and I've pulled from Scripture, and and this is so important because of what's at stake in your life. Because if you've ever felt so anxious that you can barely take a deep breath, if you've ever been anxious so long that you no longer really feel like yourself, then you know what it feels like to say, God, I love you and God, I trust you, but is this it? Is this my life? Because if it is, it's cool, but I just, I just want to know. And ultimately, why this is so important, hear me, is anxiety will keep you from connecting deeply, living authentically, and moving forward into your future. Anxiety will keep you from, living, from connecting deeply, living authentically, and moving into your unique future. I wonder who here today has been plagued by anxiety been sucker punched by anxiety. And you may even be here at this point where it's been a part of your life for so long that you don't even know what it feels like to live without it. Anxiety. What do we do with anxiety? Now, I want to take a look at for a moment 1 Peter 5 verse 5. 1 Peter 5 verse 5. And if you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Peter 5 5. And I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard. And Peter addresses the subject of anxiety. Now, this isn't the young Peter that we know about. And I'll tell you, Peter was a, a young businessman, a fisherman who in, at, in one pivotal moment of life became a follower of 
Jesus and went off and became one of his right-hand men and building the local church. And, and he used to be a very impulsive individual. Uh, anxiety drove much of his action. But, but now we're listening to a different Peter. We're listening to a more mature Peter. This is aged Peter. This is Peter who's seen a few things. He's been few, through some trouble. And Peter is addressing the church in Asia Minor. And he's writing to him in response to some intense persecution. The local churches in Asia Minor, the persecution has risen on an extreme level. People are so anxious and so stressed. Uh, we even get word that some people are saying in these churches that I am longing to just be home. In other words, this hurts so much, I'm ready to just die. I'm ready to give it up. And Peter writes this letter in response. And says, 1 Peter 5, 5, he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to your elders. Be sub Everyone say elders. Be subject to your elders. In other words, Peter is saying submit to your authority, to those who are, uh, who are older than you. Uh, now listen to this for just, just a moment. This day and age, the millennial generation is the most educated generation uh, known to man. But here's the truth. Just because millennials are smarter doesn't mean they are wiser than the older generation that has come before us. And if you are a young person, find somebody who's gone before you, who's been through some things. Just because you're smarter doesn't mean you're wiser. Amen? Betsy's shaking her head. She knows something about <laughs> wisdom. Now, it says now, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And verse 6, now humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he, underline he, may exalt you. Casting all anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Now be sober-minded, be watchful for your adversary, the devil. He, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. In other, in other words, Peter is saying, I know you're anxious, but you're not alone. You're not the only one suffering. You're not the only one going through something. And 10 says, after you have suffered a little while, and I love this part, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And to him be the dominion forever and ever. And everybody said, amen. Casting all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Casting all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Now, what's the problem with casting your anxiety? It's one thing to cast your anxiety and feel great. But what happens when you wake up the next morning and it's back? What happens when you get sick of casting your anxiety? Casting your anxiety again and again. You can cast it today, but what happens when the alarm goes off in the morning? 
and all of a sudden it finds its way back, and you can feel it <laughs> underneath your very skin. It can be exhausting casting something off just for it to return tomorrow. So many of us have decided to just live with it. And I want to go deeper into this text. Casting your anxiety on him for he cares for you. Because I've tried the casting thing, but the thing is the anxiety comes back. And it finds me. So what's the use of casting something that's just going to come back again? What's the use of getting rid of some fruit that's only going to grow back with a different root? Casting your anxiety on him. Now, I want us to read this again. Verse 6, it says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. What's interesting is, we hear a lot about casting your anxiety on him, but that's not a complete sentence, or sentence, or sentence, whatever that was that I just said. <laughs> casting all of your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Just cast your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. You know what? I think that we're missing something. Because before that, there is not a period, there is a comma. Which is to say, before we cast the anxiety, there's something that we have to take care of before the cast can be effective. Verse 6, humble yourself. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting, 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 which is to say, the casting is a byproduct of humbling yourself. Casting your anxiety. I love the idea of casting. And, and it, because Peter, his work was a fisherman. So Peter's writing from his life, casting nets to receive fish. And I'm sure as Peter's writing this, he's pouring out his heart. And he's encouraging these people who are hurting and feeling like it would be better to just die. And he's remembering back to a time when he cast his net. The first day he met Jesus. When he had just come from an evening of working and toiling all night, catching nothing. And he's out there in the morning taking care of his little boat and putting his stuff away to head over to meet his family when all of a sudden this individual walks on the scene. Little did Peter know that this would change his life forever when he asked to use his boat as a platform to preach. And after Jesus preached, Jesus invited Peter to cast his net again. Before, nothing came up. But this time, Jesus was there. And he asked Peter to cast the net again. Many of you know what happened when, Jesus, when he, Peter cast the net again. And, uh, and the boats were so filled with fish that they began to sink. But what's interesting is, before Peter cast the net, he first had to humble himself under the advice of a carpenter being an expert fisherman who is exhausted doing something illogical. And once Peter humbled himself under the hand of God, then the casting worked. Casting your anxiety on him for he cares 
for you. About four years ago, I was in a absolutely anxious place. I, I could feel the anxiety inside of me. I, 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 I was um, in this spot of isolation and loneliness from my relationships. I was in this place where my, uh, the business that we were building has, had fallen apart. And, and, and shortly thereafter, I was in the hospital for something that I didn't quite understand. And all of a sudden, I felt more anxious and sleepless and restless than any time and any point in my life. And I remember laying in that hospital bed to a couch to the hospital bed, <laughs> saying to God, God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can sustain this, if it's going to be like this. I don't know if I can get any further than I am right now because I am hurting and I feel this pressure to be somebody. Buddy, but now I feel like this the hope deferred is making my heart sick and I can't do it. And I, and I, and I, and I can't, and I can't, I can't. And it's as if God spoke to me in that moment and he said, Preston, you're saying a lot of I. And then I realized and I felt like as if God spoke to me, in the middle of your anxiety is I. In the middle of your anxiety is I. And the anxiety is a fruit of a deeper root called pride. Wow, it got quiet in here. What if your anxiety is a deeper root of a fruit called pride? pride. Humble yourself under the hand of God, and in the proper time, he will exalt you above your anxiety. In the middle of my pride is I. In the middle of my anxiety is I. And Peter's talking to this church, and he's giving them a word of encouragement. And he's saying, I know you, I know you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And I know it's hard resisting evil and temptation. And I know you feel like quitting. I know you feel so oppressed to the point where you feel like taking your own, own life. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Once you get under the hand of the almighty God, he can lift you up out of the anxiety that has plagued you. The anxiety is the fruit of a deeper root called pride. And let me say it say what Peter is saying for 2017. And here it is, and I want you to write this down. Here it is, ready. It's not until you get under his hand that you can get over yourself. It's not until you get under his hand that you can get over yourself. Man, there's something good about living life being over yourself. My mama used to tell me all the time, Timothy, Preston, Woody, get over yourself. I didn't even know what that meant at the time, but I do now. Getting over myself means getting under the hand of the Almighty God. Getting over yourself means getting under the hand of God. Now, how do we get under the hand of God? Scripture says through humility. Humility. And I think that there is an obvious and, and often misconception of the word, the term humility, and even pride itself. 
Many believe and think of humility to, is to make yourself lower than you already are. Humility, you won't, many won't admit it, but many view humility as a form of weakness. Humility can be synonymous with vulnerability. People don't want to be humble or vulnerable because their weakness may be exposed. But I believe humility is actually one of the greatest forms of strength. Humility is not downplaying who you are and, and squatting low. It's actually standing against something greater than yourself and seeing how small you really are. Humility is standing up straight. Now, I want to contrast the difference between humility and pride. Bold humility and anxious pride. That way, when the time comes, when anxious pride begins to pull up into your heart and mess with your emotions and manipulate you and intimidate you, you have clarity on how to address it. You ready? The difference between humility and pride. You ready, church? The difference between humility and anxious pride. Here it is. And write these down if you're taking notes. Anxious pride avoids conflict and criticism. But bold humility fights when it would be easier to flee. Anxious pride puffs up when integrity is in question. But bold humility backs down when it would be easier to puff up. Anxious pride makes yourself scarce to maintain a false projection of oneself. Yet bold humility shows up when it would be easier to stay home. Anxious pride projects peace on the outside, yet bold humility has peace on the inside. And anxious pride has faith in what I can or cannot do, but bold humility has faith in what Jesus has already done. And what Jesus has already done done. It's not until you get under his hand that you can get over yourself and what a life that is. Has anybody ever heard of the game Operation? Yes, I, I see some operators. Anyone play Operation growing up? I, I enjoyed the game Operation. My brothers and I received it when we were homeschooled. I think I was in the fourth grade at the time and we played some Operation. And, there, and Operation was an intense game. Uh, it was a, a when, you're, when you're focusing so deeply on pulling out the broken heart and all of a sudden you hit the corner and it buzzes and all, and all of a sudden uh, what we would do is we would actually yell when it buzzed and it would just raise anxiety and, and, and take the game to the next level. And we would play everything a little bit more, I guess, extreme or violent growing up. But, but Operation was an incredibly enjoyable game for my brothers and and who remembers the name of the character? Who, who thinks they know the name of the character on Operation? Does anybody remember? I actually had to look it up. There he is. Wow. There, there he is. His name is Cavity Sam. Cavity Sam. I'm pretty sure. Cavity Sam. And what's interesting about Cavity, Cavity Sam is, is he doesn't necessarily have a cavity. He has, like, everything else. But, uh, but, but, but it reminded me of our life. Now, I need uh, my, my volunteers, Mr. Devin and Colby Erickson. Have you seen those guys? Oh, excellent. Hello, my friends. 
And now I want to, in, so we, you've heard of Cavity Sam, but I want to introduce you to Millennial Mike. <laughs> Say hi, Millennial Mike. Hey. <laughs> over here we have Millennial Mike, and right over here we have Colby, and Colby is representing the hand of God. And over here we have Millennial Mike. Over here we have the hand, the hand of God. And now, here's the thing, problem with Millennial Mike is he's very similar to Cavity Sam because many call him, and your name is Millennial Mike, but really on the inside, you're Anxious Andy. And there's a lot of issues that don't necessarily have to do with your anxiety. There's a lot of issues with Cavity Sam that don't necessarily have to do with his cavity. And did you know that there is a sound of anxiety? It sounds kind of like that. And when anxious Andy tries to fix himself, the sound of anxiety begins to sound. And when anxious Andy uh -oh. tries to take care of his own broken heart, all of a sudden the sound of anxiety takes over again. And you're anxious. And you've got hair in your face. And you feel the sound of anxiety even when you're not trying to fix yourself, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> now, the problem with Anxious Andy, or Millennial Mike, which is his rogue name, is a Anxious Andy is over here, and the hand of God is over here. Okay? So when Anxious Andy tries to fix himself, anxiety is sounded. But look what happens when Anxious Andy, now stay still, moves under the hand of God, all of a sudden, the hand can take care of what anxious Andy couldn't take care of for himself. Take care of for himself and remove funny bone issues, carpal tunnel, which ultimately comes from too much looking at Instagram and causing anxiety in your life. Right, my Millennial Mike. And what happens when you stop trying to fix yourself and you get under the hand of God as God does for you what you could never do for yourself and all of a sudden your anxiety is gone, you're under the hand of God and you can live your life. Hashtag humbled. Come on, let's give it up for these guys. It's not until you get under his hand that you can get over yourself. Touch two people say you've got to get under to get over. Touch two people and say, you got to get under to get over. You've got to get under to get over. Now, before we go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some handles for this message. So what do we do on Monday? What, what does it look like? So, so, so we're positioning ourselves under the hand of God. We know that anxiety is the fruit of a deeper root called pride. Now, what do we do? What do we do with this information?
And I'm going to give you some handles, some application that you can take home and apply to your life. And it's entitled, Memorize Your Mantra. Memorize your mantra. Memorize your mantra. Do you have a mantra? Why is it important to have a mantra and to memorize your mantra? Here's why. Because if you forget who you are, the world is going to tell you for you, okay? So memorizing your mantra is knowing who you are before you even leave for each day. What would happen if you had crystal clarity on who you are before you even walk out the front door? What would your life be like if you had no question as to who you, who you were? And you can walk into every situation and not be impacted by the room, but to impact the room. You can walk into your workplace and not bog down the environment, but you can lift it. That's what happens when you have crystal clarity on who you are. So there's something I do. I memorize my mantra. And here's what it looks like. Before I leave, even my room each day, sometimes my bed, there are a few things that I say. And I speak over my life. And it's taken time to craft these and to listen to God for these statements, but it's something that aligns me when anxiety rears its head and the roaring lion is intimidating. So every morning I'll get up, sometimes look in the mirror, sometimes with my eyes closed, sitting there, I'll say, my name is Preston Woody. I live to give. God has been so good to me. I do not exist to consume, but to contribute and to create. I cannot wait to get out and infect the world with joy. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I have a peace in my soul that no volume of negativity can penetrate. Today is less about me than I think it is. This is my day, and today I am born. And I am born for such a time as this. What would happen if you stepped out of each day knowing those things? You speak in your mantra and you have crystal clarity on who you are. Just watch as your life shifts, as people begin to look at you a little bit different, as doors begin to open up in your life. Because having crystal clarity of who you are negates the purpose of ever having to use your pride. Memorize your mantra. Memorize your mantra. I wonder what your mantra will look like. Whether it be three statements, whether it be five, whether it be ten, whether you rotate. Memorize your mantra and see what will happen. For anxious pride is what happens when we forget who we were born to be. City Life is able to continue making Jesus known through the consistent investments of many. If you would like to invest financially into the vision, you can do so at citylifecenter.org. Simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.